Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Podcast uh, Cantrip, where we'll be having open-ended discussions about D&D topics, role-playing topics, uh, just tabletop gaming in general. Uh, today's episode is going to be mainly an introduction to everybody. Uh, we'll have conversation about our favorite monsters, uh, character creation and evolution, and what our dream team would be uh so we'll start with jimmy uh hi guys i'm jimmy aka odin Mm -hmm. um mainly player sometimes dm um yeah got into dnd a few years back watching critical role probably like most of you guys um, became infatuated and met these guys. There you go. And up next is. Hello, I'm Arvon. Just Arvon. <laughs> yes. A co- apparently the coolest normal name ever. But yeah, uh, I started loving DD by getting into like Hardman's Quest. I didn't know what game they were playing, but I loved the animation, and fucking Harmon Quest is pretty dope. After Harmon Quest came D&D things on YouTube, like fucking, uh, like, what's her name? The, like, Dingo, uh, like, Dingo like, Doodles. Yeah, like, all those dudes. I'm like, man, this game is really cool. Uh... And then got into playing the game with these guys about, what, a year ago? A year and a half ago. Yeah, so... Uh, help inspire characters in worlds. DN sometimes, but mostly parrot. Play. Mostly parrot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm Will. Also go by Lore. Uh, I've been playing D&D since 2nd edition. And I've... Long-time permanent DM occasionally get to play a character when people decide that they want to run their own game. Uh, I've always loved Dungeons and Dragons. I've always loved fantasy, like high fantasy games, role-playing games, uh, character options, things of that nature, uh, even in video games as well. Uh, but that is who we are: Will, Jimmy, and Arvon. So, first topic, which one do we want to talk about first, guys? Um, I feel like character uh, creation and evolution. That's yeah. good. Yeah, we can go with that. That's a good start. So, character creating. Uh, what do you go about when you're first creating a character? What's, what's some of the first things that come to mind? Do you have an image? Do you have, like, a background? Do you have... Like a subclass or, or a multi-class uh, in mind first. I, I guess it would be the image and background first. Because the classes can fall into any image and background that you really want to go for. Because like I've made the best stealthy character I can ever think of. And she wasn't a rogue. She was a bard warlock. Yeah. And so like it all depends on how you want to go about that character. And like what you really want them to do. And, yeah. What about you? 
I normally start with like an idea, uh, a banished prince, uh, a farmer who found an imp in his field and took care of it, and the imp made a deal with him to give him power for saving his life. Uh, things of that nature kind of come up with a little bit of the background first, like a little bit of the backstory, and then develop from there, uh, finding the right class combo to fit whatever they are to to further the the backstory or background of the character before anything else. I I agree. I like background um, creating first when it comes to character creation um, because I think it gives you um, it narrows your options down mm-hmm. versus picking a, a class or race first um, yeah make, creating your background really narrows it down to your creative process and it mm-hmm. makes it a little bit easier I think yeah uh, shoot but then freaking races I go through so many races to my character just to be like you know what forget this be human <laughs> <laughs> I think that's always the like fallback option, option. Yeah. Like, I really wanted this person to be really good at medicine but none of the races give me me ve- human I'm taking the healer feet right yep <laughs> You that, know, I, that feat off the jump is great. great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if you pick up a healer's pack or something. But so narrowing down the options is always a really good thing. But um, I think finding a, the defining feature of the character, even before picking the race, will help you pick the class ultimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you want the, the character to be. You know, very adept with a blade, whether it be a dagger or a sword or a spear, any kind of, like, blade itself. Finding that defining characteristic Mm -hmm. helps you get, figure out which class to go with. I mean, obviously, if we're going on that, you can be like, oh, a rogue. If you throw a dagger, get sneak attack. Fighter, you can use any bladed weapon. Right. Or barbarian, you're doing extra damage. But finding that, that finite piece of the, the personality or their experiences I think makes it a lot better too. Like uh, Cormir, mm-hmm. the Volkstrucker agent in the Curse of Strahd game we do. Right. Um, he is defined by his chains and and the serpent motif, the chain and serpent combination. Uh, being the type of fighter he is being able to throw a blade with a chain attached to it or or being able to climb a certain way fits that background, but also his betrayal to his own people fitting that snake motif too. Right. And then finding the right balance to those two. Right. So, like, he's fighter warlock, and I kind of, like, flavored his spells to be chains and serpents and the way that they appear and interact with other people. Right. And that was important making the character was that I had those motifs ever present. Right. As long as my character is dark and moody, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's the defining aspect. Right. Edgy. Edgy. Edgy, edgy boy. <laughs> all of them. 
Every single one. Yeah. And when I come to, like, defining factors in my characters, like, I, I really, like, think about it. Because, like I said, Snake Queen, she is stealth, but not, like, the I'm going to lurk in the shadows. No, it's like, I'm going to misdirect you. I'm going to be... You're going to chase me. I'm going to hit a corner and walk the other way as a whole different person. Right. Like, it, she's everybody and nobody. She's an idea. Right. Like, and that's where she is stealthy. Like, nobody... Pretty much. <laughs> she's a female Batman. Yeah. Not even doing it for vengeance because she's like seeker. She's just looking for stuff. Like, I, for her background... I gave her the background as, like, an ex-slave, but, like, she was always a charismatic one. She knew how to make people feel bad about what they were doing with her words. That's why she has, like, an actual metal, like, stamp on her plate uh -huh. to give her a list to make her stop talking. It just, in my eyes, made it more flavorful because she actually has a, like, rattle now. Right. And that works, like, especially when you take that, again, <laughs> that, that bit of the character when yeah. you were developing it. You know, she was a slave, and they found a way to kind of shut her up by mm -hmm. putting that plate on her tongue, giving yeah. her that permanent lisp and, mm -hmm. like, attaching it. That helped define even more of it. Like, yeah. she's legitimately silver tongue, mm -hmm. barred, barred, right there, perfect, <laughs> perfect for it. And then now, like, since the whole being everybody and nobody at the same time, fucking warlock evocations out the wazoo, right? Mm -hmm. Like... And, like, my whole thing was for her to, like, have the image of flashiness, but, like, if you, like, detect magic on her, she wouldn't be wearing magic spells, because she would, or magic spells, wearing magic items, because all the magic things she was going to get, she was going to give to her familiar, which was an imp on a Pegasus. Right. Which is crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Name what? Shakur and, um... Biggie. Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Biggie being the, not the imp, but the sprite. It was a sprite. Because the motherfucker had polymorph. Yeah. Like, a sprite <laughs> with polymorph. And guess what he got? She got to familiar that's ready to be anything else. That he's a mount of. Like, so he's ready to just be, hey, like, you, you didn't know that this small little Pegasus could be a large fucking bird. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right? and then, and then evolution. Evolution. When, after you've created the character and you had an idea of the direction or way that you wanted to go has it ever changed has that that plan ever deviated just based on story or interactions itself absolutely um oh well, yeah with from our first campaign together uh merc when he got to know oro and oro had not influence over him but they bonded, and there was a sense from Merc of, I can learn something from this guy. And um, Merc was a way of the shadow monk, a part of this crazy freaking monastery that was like pure evil, <laughs> and found um, like compassion and what it means for like self-sacrifice from Oro and not I don't want to say religion but a belief in something more than him than himself and it his faith it, it gave him faith 
in something other than himself and his own capabilities. Uh, that's dope because that was the same character I was going to talk about for me was Oro. Oro, when I originally made him, he was going to be a, a barbarian paladin. Mm-hmm. He was going to be a paladin of the Stormlord because he was already a zealot barbarian. Right. And he had... And it was just the, the direction that everything kept going. It, it wasn't feasible for me to, you know, suddenly out of nowhere have, you know, these paladin abilities or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Even though he had consistently shown, like, reverence to the Stormlord and, and uh, like, just blind, complete, passionate faith in him right. for him to just jump over and, and suddenly be a paladin. So we played more into his, like, amnesia that he had from his background and the weapon he was carrying because the, that campaign was supposed to be Storm King's Thunder. Right. Um, that the weapon he was carrying was actually forged for Lord Hecatut. Remember his name was that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the runes on it were giant runes, and then the Rune Knight Fighter UA came out, and I was like, this is the perfect way to go. Thank this God is the for direction this. for it. Right. This, this helps me fill that void for it, and it fit perfectly. Yeah. Like, finding that, that perfect balance for... You know, I still want to be able to do more as the character, but the direction is completely changed. Yeah. <laughs> but you, let's just go ahead and make that three for three. Birdly. Like fucking Birdly. But like on two different scales. Like the whole like at the same time oh, yeah. the like uh like favorite terrain and like the the Hunter's Mark, that UA stuff came out for Ranger. And, like, I was already thinking about deviating from the path of the monastery because originally my character was supposed to be in Outcast there. That's why I left after being three years there and, like, at such a low level of being a monk thinking he can just do this stuff. Right. But with that being said, the way of the open palm for an Arrow Corcoran was just, in my mind, like a natural thing. Like, you're getting a plus two wisdom for this race, and then, like, your body is the weapon. It's the thing that's pushing. And, like, uh, the design that uh, we had with the backward knees, like, the springiness and everything, like, forcing that key to propel a motherfucker back. I preferred smashing a dude straight into the ground, but... Right. It worked out good for kicking people into the fucking fucking air, air. too. Yeah. And that helped us set up a lot of combos with the characters that we were playing, too, at the time. Like, we we had house-ruled that force movement would still give attack of opportunities. And it worked out perfectly to set up, like, the whooshing strike, which was, you know, Birdly kicking somebody up into the air, Merc... Uh, hitting them back down and then Oro smacking them with the maul. Right. Or like uh, beautiful. The combination of uh, Merc and Oro in combat. Uh, Oro's passive perception because he was. I put so many points into wisdom for him because I wanted him to be wise. He could track where Merc was going to like teleport to or yep. where he was going to move. Even before Merc knew yeah. where he was going to go. Mm-hmm. And so that helped in our combat scenarios. Like, it would be my turn, and I'd be like, you know, I move up to this creature, I rage, 
and I pulled my action looking directly behind him. And that fed into Merc bonus action teleport directly behind the guy. That triggered my held attack to make my attack now with advantage because we're using the flanking rule, Mm -hmm. which then let Merc have advantage on his attacks because of the flanking. And we called it like the Lunar Thunder Barrage Mm -hmm. for the combination of like the moon, the Lunar Solarum Monastery he was from. Yeah. And Oro being the Storm King's like right hand reincarnated. Right. Don't forget the Lunar Blows. I <laughs> consistently did that despite you like use base and defense. I'm like, no, Bertley is about giving the hands to people. About to punch a motherfucker. Yeah, because like another part of his backstory was getting back to the air elemental plane because that's what he knew and loved. And even up there was vicious. I was like saying it was like feudal Japan level. Of, like, people coming in and, like, dying and fighting and then leaving. Like, pure chaos and destruction. He was kicked out of his egg when he first started opening it. Right. Like, like there was no forgiveness. And that's, he's like, I love that. At least I'm accepted there. These monks are assholes. <laughs> but but there were still, like, I think the reason why I kept getting so upset with it was because we would have so many, like, really good RP moments mm-hmm. of Oro and Birdly talking. Like, when Oro just grabbed him... I was like, you're, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep getting hurt. I'm supposed to be the one getting hurt. He's like, I'm no, supposed man. to take the hits. And I that, can't protect you if you keep putting yourself in that situation. And then even with that being said, like, yeah, he understood, but he couldn't let that happen. Like, it, where he was from, we all stand right next to each other. And if we all are getting hit, we're all getting hit. But, like... Like, that's where that dynamic came in. He's like, I gotta get stronger even now because he's telling me not to do this. Yeah. Like, I, I, uh, the, the, the ranger stuff, the UA stuff that doubled his movement, that was good RP because it made him look stronger. Like, it made him look taller. But then also he was like a really young bird. Yeah. <laughs> he was like nine or something like that, nine or 12. I think um, the fact that it happened... The evolution of all of our characters happened through our own role play in the game. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily through like battle scenarios. A lot of it came from talks by a campfire or yeah. Yeah. talks. just praying at the end of the boat and people coming to check on him. And he's like, I'm okay, but I can tell you're not okay. Let's mm-hmm. talk. Right. And then even with Merc, with you doing your prayer or something, you doing something on that level to the Storm Lord, and then the Storm Lord's face showing in the clouds, and Merc seeing it like, wow, yeah, this we, is a very real thing. Like, we're all seeing this. Right. I think even at the monastery, it was a thing that, like, all gods are real. Like, right. there's some essence about them that gives people power, so do not, like, like, what's the word, uh... Deny them that, right? Because it's there. Like, there's, there's powers. There's proof of it yeah, everywhere. There's proof of it everywhere. Right. And that was like the first image of physical proof. Right. But yeah. that, that also helped play into, I think it, it helped play into a lot more with everybody else's characters too about what direction they were going to go with their characters as right. well. Like the yeah. realization that your prayers are still being answered, still being heard. Right. Helped me go, okay, I don't have to go paladin for this to happen. Right. He is hearing me. He is responding to me. So I don't have to go down that route. I can take another road. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that same, like, that faith in 
in the, the world around them, uh, I think helped Bird Lee realize I don't have to just focus on what this monastery is mm-hmm. trying to teach me. I can adapt anything yeah. to what I'm doing and still be yeah, and just as I potent, just as, as wise, and just as deadly. That's and for Bird, like, like refinding faith right. in any way, shape, or form was important because as a drow, he was raised, you know. Wolf is the goddess. Right. You know, this, it is this and only this. You were born a man, so you were subservient. Right. Kind of thing. As the the relation to those gods and everything are in the, the campaign. But seeing that that response and that, that realism to it, I think, helped open a lot of people's eyes in those situations that there were more options available. Right. And not only that, not only did it help him with the faith, but it made him, I mean, still to this day where we're at with those characters, he is like in full dilemma mode, like existential crisis in his mind because everything he feels he ever learned from the monastery or otherwise up until before he met you guys was a lie because he's told he's has to be this ruthless mm-hmm. assassin that just does awful things and kills people but then he comes across this giant human of a man who tells this person that he barely knows you need to stop doing what you're doing because I'm the one that's supposed to get hurt mm-hmm. yeah and like even yeah same thing because we're both monks like right. our monastery practice like we gotta protect one another and there was like horrific things going on like to the people that were living on this huge dragon turtle because that's where the monastery reside and they're getting attacked by people at this thing that we called the kumite <laughs> kumite, kumite? <laughs> fucking love that Aww. yeah but uh yeah so like and it was then that like we're not the protectors that you told us we were being and like uh we lost around a but we're still able to progress because we had won so many points. points in like the first round because it was individual fights and after we realized that like we're per- we're doing this for people that are fucked up we quit the progressing rounds but in our stead was other members of the monastery so my master put these kids in harm's way knowing that there is no fighting them there why do no winning yeah they why put these kids in front of these people knowing that we already have the points to proceed? Right. Like, so, even after that, we there was a child that was in harm's way that was used as a human as shield. But, yeah, I attacked this dude, but, like, I rolled extremely high. Like, I think it was, like, nothing below 26 or something like that. Right. And, like, fuck, somehow just hit, fucking miss. Right. Got the little girl. And then even after that, like, there was nothing done. And the, later on, there was like a co- like cosmic consequence that had one of our members, like your background, yeah, like, my backup character that was introduced, get thrown to the astral sea from a plan that one of the masters themselves had put in place for us. Mm-hmm. That was like there are rules, but there are ways around the rules. Loopholes. Like he was already pointing out loopholes, and yeah. then when we were using said you loophole. And I wasn't even there for it. Yeah. The the character, my backup character, was 
thrown to the astral sea. Yeah, imagine. And I had spent so much time on that background, that backup character, because the story was going to progress to a point where Oro was going to be taken away from the group in like a form of mind control or or something taken away very similar to Yasha in uh, Critical Role Campaign 2. Yeah. And the the character was built to help keep the, the team together, together to give them a driving force and it moving did. forward. But I think now it, it's added that same driving mm-hmm. force, but in a, a, a negative, negative manner. manner. Yeah, because... Like, we have to fight against this and win so we can hold the people mm-hmm. who told us it was safe accountable for, for, for what happened to it. Yeah, and like, it, it really separated me from my monastery and went down the, like, uh, Itachi route. Like, it was so potent that I was going down that route that I even have a bard spell that's a wizard, like, no, a wisdom, wisdom spell. Save yeah, instead, instead of, of the charisma save. Yeah. Phantasma force, so I can really just be fighting somebody without Get you to them immediately. immediately. <clears throat> yeah, that whole thing, though, like, when all of that happened, and if we do end up continuing this story, that evolution of those characters... It's going to be amazing. It's going to be insanity. Bro. Oh, yeah. It's going to be absolutely insane. I would absolutely love to pick that campaign back up and, and get back into being Oro. Uh, not just because I'm forever DM. And not that it's a bad thing. I love DMing, mm-hmm. but I loved Oro. Oro is that guy. I so much love for Oro. So, uh, yeah, that, that was the campaign that brought us together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... But if, if we ever have the opportunity to do that again, I I, I wouldn't fucking bat my eye at saying yes to Early it. in there. At all. Because there's so much that's still left unanswered. Mm-hmm. There's so much that's still left undone that, that needed to be seen through. Mm-hmm. Right. So, that was that topic. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll jump right, right into the next one. Uh, uh, Dream Team. So, three or four mm-hmm. characters, PCs, uh, we'll say level 10. Okay. Level 10. 10. Um, okay. What would your dream team be? Like, uh, combat, out of combat, role play, like, what combination of four characters would you use? Alright, this... And they could be your characters, they could be characters that you're four? making up right now. Yeah. Four characters right now. Alright, I'm... Sounds a little biased, but uh, probably Caleb Wobogas, Grog Strongjaw, Ed Birdley, and Paradox. Okay, why? Why? Yeah. Cause give me like combat, give me RP, right. so, and give me like the the reason why those four in particular. Uh, Birdley, Swarmkeeper, Ranger, Way of the Open Hand Monk. Like he had feathers that he can throw three at a time which were his monk weapons so like he and he can stack that with his extra attack so that's six that's six what uh six projectiles coming at a motherfucker like at uh what's level 10 for no level 10 depending on how i do it probably a five five yeah it'd be five five so sixes yeah so like that's six d6 on like hits because like and while I was, I had the fighting style archery, so it's like plus two to range weapons. 
fucking uh they were the, considered your martial weapon mm-hmm. so fighting style with like uh dueling so like i always had the free hand or no not dueling uh what's it doing is it yeah, dueling, dueling the the dueling fighting one style? Ha- one weapon in one, one hand, hand nothing in the, the other. other yeah and so i can chuck the uh the feathers, feathers and still have that hand ready and it gave me a plus two to my ac Bands of Rougine, bro, like, if anybody gets close to me and I smack them, dexterity check to grapple them and pull them toward me for another lariat. It's like, he can hold a whole end of a battlefield by himself. So can Paradox, on the other hand, with all the fire manipulation he has. And Paradox is a Warforged, Dragonborn, uh, combined race. Yeah. With, uh, that's a monk, Way of the Bender, Bender. from DM's Guild. Firebender. Yeah, beautiful. Whoever made that, you the man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, fireball out of the mouth wow. could go into, like, a turret, turret. cannon mode. Yeah, it's fucking... And, like, he has uh, the feet, because he would have been all ten. He has a couple of feats now. Like, we, as, like, us thinking of how to make the... Monk class stronger came up with two monk base abilities. One that you have to be a monk, and the other one that you can just do to unlock key points. And yeah. You know the name of it. Focused key, which was the one that's available to anybody, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you now have two key points. You can choose any two uh, monk abilities that you get at, that monks get at second level. So, like Flurry of Blows, Patient Defense. Or um, Step of the Wind. Mm-hmm. And you could use those by spending the two key points you got from the feet. And then Concentrated Chakra, which was like the tough feat for monks for their key points. So yeah. it, at the level you take it, it automatically doubles your key points. Mm-hmm. And every level after that, you get an additional key point. So you yeah. at level 20, you would essentially have 40 key points. Mm-hmm. And currently, Paradox is... We're using him in a like actual campaign, and uh, he got that uh, concentrated key, right? Yeah. Uh, got that at level eight, so he had sixteen key points at level eight, and then now two more, so sixteen, uh, eighteen, and then twenty key points at level ten. That's how math works, guys. Yeah. Quick math. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, D&D players. So, uh, that's 20 key points in a monk, and he doesn't have patient defense. He has something called uh, ready defense, and if he gets attacked by anything that specifically targets him, it doesn't even matter what it is. If it's targeting him, he can spend so many key points to do a wall of fire, it doesn't burn anybody, but that's what the description says, a wall of fire that will block the oncoming damage, and if negated, send, like, I think it's however many D6 I use for that attack. Nice. So, yeah, like, and that's more, like, more of a reactionary thing, but, like, still, that's a monk. Like, he's just there. Right. And that's a little bit offensive than the defensive that Bird leads on the other side. And so those holding the flanks, making sure nobody can go by them because they're monks with no armor, so the movement speed is up here. So, yeah. Yeah, then Grog Strongjaw, obviously, to take that damage in the middle. 
and you know he, he was a berserker berserker goliath right so yeah. with his all of his dope shit um yeah and he, Caleb Littlegas, like, the man with the plan. Like, with Grand Strongjaw protecting him at all time, cast large on that dude, like, man, just uh, fireballing. There's another thing doing fireballing, so he probably doesn't even need that. Like, the fucking, the fucking Caleb's, like, web of fire. I forget what it's mm-hmm. called. Like, the yeah, spell. the Littlegas web of flame. Yeah, fucking, he should use that more. I think he only used it once, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Currently, he's only used it like once. And then, like, if we're using this team for like anything like prolonged or like in an actual campaign, fucking, he can turn anybody into anything. It takes a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like, I think I think he can only do it like once every six months or a year, kind of thing. Oh, Transform their race. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. Or there's or, like a specific limitation Matt had put on it that. Uh, other than like the amount of clay and everything else, like it specifically only worked like once every six months or a oh, year. That's what he did to not. Yeah, that was what he did to not to turn her back into a halfling to be that. So RP wise, why those four? RP wise, well, paradox is going down the path of. I guess you can say pseudo-righteousness like a Ronin, but not going like the Kente monk way. And he... he The way this campaign worked, the Lirensal campaign that Paradox is in, is that we all arrived in this place with absolutely no memory. And the way we arrived here was summoned through a book that has stories of heroes through time. So, like, people like John Henry... Uh, fucking who else? Ragnar, Ragnar from Vikings. Um, Doctor Frankenstein, like people like that. And if one person is summoned, there's a equal and opposite like reaction. There's another, their opposite that's summoned somewhere else. I forget. Well, I don't know where, but they're yeah. they're summoned in another temple. Mm-hmm. So like the summonings had to take place in temples of the old gods. So where one group would be summoned here, or one person would be summoned here, their opposite would appear in another temple somewhere in the world. Yeah. Kind of thing. But even then, his backstory is, he literally has 24 individual hours of memory, because that's his backstory. He was created by Frankenstein to be the ultimate weapon that should never be. He was, like, doing, like, the whole Tesla thing, like... I've created this dia- uh, diabolical, right? Yeah. Thing, and I'm going to destroy it. And before that happened, we were summoned into this world, but Paradox doesn't know that. Um, he doesn't know he was going to get destroyed, but the path he's going down is like freeing these people. He's even like adopted a whole child, and he literally just got his first kill. Like, I, I've always wanted to know why they didn't allow. In Critical Role, Kiri, the little bird, to go with them because I did. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfectly fine to bring bring children. children. (laughs) When did you start to throw a sword around? Exactly. (laughs) Um, But for the four, as far as as a team RP wise, Mm. like, why would you want those four? Like, you have Birdly, who has this very, like, martial, like, 
aggressive uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. Then you have Paradox, who is the calm, and the calm, trying to understand the, the world. Then you have Grog, Bidet, Bidet, like, <laughs> and the then Caleb. Who's you know former magical assassin who went crazy? Yeah. Caleb is the babysitter, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Obviously, try to keep a handle, imparting actual knowledge onto these people. Grog Strongjaw is the soft-hearted, like the the rock that's gonna keep everybody safe because that's what he is. Like he was always like soft-hearted. He didn't want to kill Pipe's grandfather. Like yeah. So, and then the two actual children, like, these are the two actual kids, like, a whole day of actual life combined, like, and then the nine or 12 year old, they're both going through, I guess, similar things, but in different avenues of thought, like, Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is wrong and shouldn't be done, but I'm doing it righteously. Burley's like, fuck that guy. You see that guy? He's talking shit. I'm going to kill the guy talking shit. He, he shouldn't be doing that. But, like, that's the sporadic, like, nature that he is. Okay. Your four, Jimmy. My what four? four? Dream team. Your characters, other characters, ones you're making up on the fly right now. What's your dream team, combat-wise, RP-wise? Merc, for sure. Okay. Uh, Talio. For the uninitiated, my tiefling wizard. <laughs> uh, um, a little bias there. <laughs> um, those guys are fucking gangsters, yeah, bro. I'm not gonna <laughs> deny that. I'm not gonna deny that. Um, Yasha. Okay. And. Hard fork. Oh my god. Um. I'm going to go with uh, Vax. Vaxodon? Yes. Okay. Ooh, that's disgusting. <laughs> yes. For combat, why those four? Um, for combat, Merc and Vax would be devastating together. Yeah. Movement speed, sneak attack, punches, disengage, yes. all of that. Yeah, they would be absolutely devastating um yasha as well she's just insane uh when she does hit um, <laughs> <laughs> which does hit yeah and um talio because of he's a gangster ass wizard man and you gotta have a wizard on the team <laughs> you gotta have a wizard okay gotta have a wizard on the team okay now rp wise why those four RP-wise, I initially really chose Yasha for the RP because her background and the way Ashley plays Yasha is phenomenal to me. I she's, Agreed. She's one of my favorite characters um, on the Mighty Nine. And, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. Her story is fucking heartbreaking, and I love it. Love every bit of it. Um... Talio, because Talio, I think, is my only smart character. <laughs> so, so that's the only one with the intellect to really be with the shits. Right. And but we have, still be smart. Right. Able to assess a situation and be like, 
maybe not do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Merc now, not younger Merc, but Merc now, because of the evolution we were talking about in the beginning, um, he is and always will be my top, one of my top characters that I've ever made because it's the first one I ever got to play. Okay. Um, and then, who else did I pick? Vax. Vax. Yeah, Vax. Vax is Vax, man. Dagger, dagger, dagger. <laughs> dagger, dagger, dagger. Yeah. Smite, sneak attack. Right. Dagger, dagger, dagger. Do not go far from me. He, come on, man. Vax. Liam is the ultimate role play. I don't know. Ultimate. I, I, I don't know. Talison's got. I got a soft spot for Talison. I wonder no, why. No I mercy, Percy. <laughs> Your soul is forfeit. Mm hmm. Molly Mock Tea Leaf, Long May He Rain. Yes. Caduceus. Caduceus is <laughs> everything. Great. Yes. Caduceus <laughs> is everything. There, there is so much RP from Talison for that character, for all of his characters. That is just amazing. Owl Bear, bro. Yeah. And I. For the Terrington Brigade. Yeah. I hide. <laughs> Reckless Attack, Sneak Attack, and. I hide. I hide. Yeah. That was great. I love... Talison is a fucking genius because his one-liners are all gold. Yeah. They're all gold. All of them. So, my four Dream Team members, uh, three for three again, I have to put Oro in there. Mm -hmm. I have to. He's such a, a wise character. He He's... There's so much love at nurturing coming from this seven foot tall hulking human being. I think Aura was the catalyst for all of our role playing abilities from that first campaign. Mm -hmm. I, I'm honored to even have that be a thing. But Oro, he was he was monstrous in combat. Yes. He, he was 100% capable of protecting and aggressing all at once mm -hmm. at any point in time. His background, like his backstory with the amnesia and then finding out that he's the reincarnated right hand of the Stormlord through generations and, you know, the developer of the Arclight Court, this religion, like religious guild, essentially, to the Stormlord, uh, I think is amazing to that. Uh, brought him up literally 20, 30 seconds ago. I gotta put my boy Molly Mock in the team. Yeah. I have to. He's first and foremost Blood Hunter. The the curse of blindness is amazing in the way that it was it was done. His character development up to that point before he died. Died. Uh, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> was beautiful to watch too like his realization of you know some of those memories coming through people from his past uh deciding to no longer lie to the people around him uh -huh. you know teaching them leave everywhere you go leave it better than when you got there like that big driving force to my appreciation for the character um again much love to Talison. percy have to put Percy in there. His, his intellect, man. his intellect, his MacGyver ingenuity of mm -hmm. things, and 
his pact that he made and that all of that tying very beautifully together into each other and he was no mercy percy he'd mm-hmm. walk up on somebody eight shots to their chest and leave a hole the size of a grapefruit in them right in one turn <laughs> like that was just beautiful and disturbing all at once yeah um and then my fourth it would uh, i gotta go with Cormir right now yeah Cormir as the volkstrucker echo knight packed the blade warlock uh he's charismatic he's he's charming he's cunning he's he's prepared to do whatever is necessary to succeed in his mission Mm -hmm. but he's also just as prepared to make whatever sacrifice is necessary for himself in order to succeed not only in just his goals themselves but just in life in general right and I think the combination of them would make for a very interesting dynamic. You have Oro, who's trying to show them faith and understanding, and I'm here to protect you. I'm here to. I'm not here to fight for you. I'm here to fight with you. Right. Um, Molly, for that same kind of wisdom, but more charismatic. Yeah. That more, uh, like suave demeanor, kind of you know enter the room and eyes are on him and he's perfectly fine with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that I think would play beautifully to Oro with his, like, he walks into places like, can I have a drink? And then tries to sit down and it's just, he's too fucking huge. Breaks the bar stool. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Percy for being that, like, eyes around watching. Like, Percy would know off rip that Molly isn't who he says he is and something happened to him and he's going to try and piece that together. Right. And he would immediately know something is up with Koromir that, uh, but he's, he's helping me. So a friend of a friend. Right. Kind of situation. Uh, and Koromir, because there's that, that level of redemption between all three of the other characters right. that I think Koromir needs to see and interact with as well. Right. And in combat, Bro, Cormir is disgusting, and he's only level three right now. Right. Um, utility spells available from homebrew ones that I made, uh, like Rescue, which is a cantrip that lets you bring a, an ally uh, who's 30 feet away from you, or 60 feet away from you, into a range of 15 feet it's to you as a spell. bonus action. Love that spell. Uh, runic Shield, which lets you uh, decrease the damage taken from the next successful attack. By a D10, uh, Pool of Fate, which gives you essentially like Bardic Inspiration, but it's 5D6 in total. As soon as one is used, it's gone, and there's only four left, and it could be used with anybody within that range of it. Uh, Percy keeping people knocked away at a distance, uh, maintaining that level. Uh, Molly for being in and out running up on people, cutting, slicing them, at blood maledict, blood curse on them, backing off, and then making room for Oro to come in and just smack the fuck out of them yeah. with his unbridled rage of prayer to the Stormlord. He smashed a couple heads in his day for sure. Oh yeah, he that was his specialty in the beginning was Gallaghering people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wish Molly's last words were, and I die. 
<laughs> I think that would have been great. But long may he raid. Long, long may he fucking raid. Yeah. Alrighty, so that that'll lead us into the final uh, speaking point for this episode is favorite monsters. So we'll go favorite monsters to use as a DM, and then favorite monster or monster that you want to fight as a player. Mm-hmm. So, Jimmy, which one? Um, well, right now, my favorite monster to DM, I haven't been able to DM yet, but I think is going to be Strahd. Yeah. I think that's going to be really great. Oh, yeah. Because I'm already having fun playing the game. Especially the buffed up Strahd, too. Yeah, buffed up Strahd. I think that's going to be so much fun. Um, But even having Vampire Talio fuck with you guys... At the end was great. Oh yeah, which is fun. Um, Wait, that was Vampire Talio. Vampire yeah. Talio, yeah. That's what Talio looks like. No, Talio walked away. Nobody oh. saw. Him. I saw him barely. No, he, he's described as the dude with the horns, right? Yeah, yeah. I was the only one who oh. saw him though. Because oh. he's a tiefling. Oh, I didn't know Talio was a tiefling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if that counts as monster, but he is a vampire. He is statted as a as a creature yeah. in the thing, so I, I, I'm glad we technically that. that counts. Yeah, we want that. Um, but the monster I want to fight, and I have not been able to fight. I've fought in a couple dragons now, I think. Um, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I know we fought multiples in one dragon, mm-hmm. which was not Tiamat, but it was the morphing dragon. The morphing dragon, yeah, that was cool, but. Is a motherfucking thing. What's it called? The Draco Lich. No, not. It's not a I dragon. Fuck the Draco Lich. The the uh. There can only be one. The Tarask. The Tarask. Yes. Bro, I want to fight that thing. That is a fight. Yeah, <laughs> I want to fight it. Ooh. Or I changed my mind. Not the Tarask. That fucking Kraken from Myst- Mystic Odysseys. Oh, the, the Kraken. The Theros Kraken. Yes. The, the two stage. Fucking end boss Kraken. Yes, that's God, the one I want to fight. That thing is outrageous. So, my favorite monster to use as a DM, uh, which I haven't used very recently, but is definitely in my like top ones, is the Crag. The Crag Cat. The Crag Cat nice. from Storm King's Thunder. Uh huh. It's only a CR one or a CR two, but it has magical resistance. Nice. As a fucking mountain saber-toothed tiger. Yeah. Uh, it can't be tracked by any means, magical or non-magical. It has a pounce ability. It has an insane movement speed. It's got a climb speed. It's it's an amazing low-tier low creature yeah. that you can throw into any combat, and yeah. it's going to give people problems, yeah. especially if you've got spellcasters in the group. Um, a creature that I want to fight against or one that I have fought that I enjoyed um I gotta go with the uh, custom chimera that my old DM used uh so it three heads head on the tail and an intermingled body kind of appearance like the chimera is but this thing's heads would shift forms. Okay. So from like a goat to a serpent, and then from the serpent uh, serpent to a hellhound, from the hellhound to a displacer beast, from a mm-hmm. displacer beast to a saber-toothed tiger. Yeah, like the like heads would just alternate. And 
Oh, God, bro. There were four of them. It was fucking outrageous. Some of them were morphing their heads into, like, uh, young dragons. Uh-huh. And breath weapon crossing and... Oh, my God. It was outrageous. And some of them got wings because they were, like... One part of them was griffin. Yeah. So they were flying around. It was just... Oh. That sounds dope. It was It was awesome. I loved it. I it fucking it. sucked when I fought it. Yeah. So what about you, Arvon? Fuck, bro. <laughs> it's gonna be the one, the only, Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the general of straw, the once cockatoo, Eric Corcoran, now a fucking uh, Dracula Perry. Yeah. Fucking, uh, he is gonna be devastating because that's what my character is going after. Like, revenge, motherfucker. Even if you kill him, he's going to come back as a revenant. Yeah. Revenant warlock. Revenge, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Both want to play as because, you know, that's my character and you wanted him as a general. I was, like, so happy when you said that. I was like, fuck yeah. And then now I'm, like, getting to kill him and it's going to be dope. I'm going to be like, yeah. <laughs> only one. <laughs> I did it. There can be only, only one. one. <laughs> Even with all the things that have smacked the Fuck out of Birdly. But no, but like permanently killed him though. That was Birdly's proudest achievement. And they did yet. They did yet. Oh God, let's go. Like a one hit point in a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And I will go out there on that dream still like fucking fighting. (laughs) Like, oh, Birdly is that guy because. He has the the rune thing that gives him, that gets him back up to one HP. So if he manages like healing spells well, fucking he's gonna be up forever. Right. Fucking that bird. I need to take its wings. <laughs> <laughs> and then one to DM or one that you wish you you, you could fight. Yeah. Birdly. Okay. <laughs> so both of them birdly. Yeah. I wanna play as that buffed up fucking bird alright yeah it's devastating already like fuck but if it wasn't going to be birdly the fucking weird thing that uh that was gonna happen with like Targaryen that weird oh uh, the bone naga yeah the bone naga that couldn't touch the dragon turtle because once I would've found out like what could kill it it's like my sword is made out of the dragon turtle I'm just gonna come up and touch you with it that's infinite, like, XP. You can just speak to the dragon turtle and tell it to do a barrel, barrel roll. Like, yeah. <laughs> that would be fucking, fucking nuts. And then, like, I want to play as a thing that just literally can't go anywhere. And it's, like, in its own layer is the dragon turtle. Like, what? <laughs> right? Like, shit, bro. Like, that would have been interesting. Or the, the weird toad things. Like, you said that nobody wants to fight. Like, there's space toads that do, like, force damage. Oh, the slot. Oh, fuck yeah. Those things look weird. Oh, my God. (laughs) They're a fucking nightmare, bro. I can't even begin to explain it to you. Like... Bro, you're going to have to do a little bit of this for Jimmy's sake. (laughs) For Jimmy's sake. He looks like he doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, this... The way that the slot were going to be done in that campaign was that they were like, you know, these interdimensional, like, mutant creatures kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And the way that they were customized by the DM at the time was like, oh, they're going to be doing psychic and force damage 
over bludgeoning or poison or any of the elemental because the slot are in different colors too, mm-hmm. similar to the dragons, and they have different abilities based on which color slot you're fighting against. And it was just going to be an outrageous fucking slaughter, realistically, like it was how they were. <laughs> uh, because nobody in our group had any protection to force or psychic damage at all like that those were the two most deadliest damage types to come after us compared to anything else and that's why like when that was being discussed for that campaign with the dm i was like oh my god this is gonna fucking suck because they have damage resistances and immunities and now they're doing this kind of damage instead of other kinds of damage like it's just gonna be fucking crazy uh but yeah no never i I wouldn't want to fight those slots that, that that were coming up in that campaign at all. Like, I would take them if I was playing a warlock in that campaign, mm-hmm. but not as Oro. Because that's removing his damage, like, absorbing mm-hmm. capabilities. Because those damage types are, he can't, he can't fucking protect against them. Yeah, so it's just smack, smack, smack. Yeah. Probably definitely high attacks and shit. Oh yeah, definitely high attack modifiers. Definitely doing a nice, decent chunk of damage. Like, probably like 2d8, 2d10, like, force damage per hit. Like, we're, that was, oh my god, that was looking to be an outrageous thing. But we are closing in on the hour mark, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was nice talking. Number well, one. <laughs> hopefully number one. <laughs> We'll have episodes every Wednesday. Uh, again, my name is Will. Jimmy. And Arvon. And <laughs> thank you for listening to Podcast, A Cantrip. Can't trip.